the Blaze Radio Network. On demand. Glenn Beck. I was home yesterday with my children. They're homeschooled. My wife, my wife kept saying, please turn down the television, honey, because the kids have to pay attention. I had the Kavanaugh hearings on. Normally, if the news is on, the kids are not paying any attention at all. They can do anything if the news is on. But yesterday, it was compelling. I said to my wife, I think the kids need to watch this. This is history. This is our country at a pivot point. What we choose to do today and tomorrow and the next day, based on what happened yesterday, this is a fork in the road. My kids watched the horror show. They both said to me separately, I don't understand the process. I don't understand. What is, how is this even working? I tried to explain it, but I couldn't because it made no sense at all. You have a prosecutor asking questions, line of inquiry, and then we go to five minutes of fluff and then back to her. She can't make a point. We can't find any information. My kids asked me, what, what is the evidence? There is no evidence. It's her or him. Because my kids had to finish their homework and it lasted all day. I turned it off and turned it on in another room. Both my kids separately asked me last night. This is a quote. Who won? That bothered me. Who won? Out of the mouths of babes. I was singing that last night as I turned on cable news. Cable news. It wasn't news, it was sports, it was ESPN. Who blocked? Who tackled? Who had the touchdown? I'm sick to my stomach. Is anyone thinking of the ramifications in Washington? Is anyone in Washington thinking about what this means for the republic? It was an embarrassment. I can't call myself an American if this is what the American people want. But I will tell you. I cannot believe I'm wrong on this. This is not reflective of the American people. I don't know who won. But I will tell you who lost. All of us. All of us lost yesterday. Our children Lost yesterday.
I think yesterday is the first day that I could say, Mr. Franklin, I don't think we're capable of keeping this republic. It's Friday, September 28th. You're listening to the Glenn Beck Program. Anybody notice yesterday how the Republicans behaved? Now, I'm not going to give them extra points because, honestly, the way they... The only reason why they didn't question Ford themselves is because, quite honestly, the most pessimistic part of me says because they were cowards. Because they didn't want to be asked them, they don't. They didn't want to be the ones on film, on television, asking a question that would then be taken and twisted into something angry, anti-women, pro-rapist. So what did they do? They got an ordinary-looking woman who was very qualified to ask all of the questions. So what happens on cable news last night? What happens on cable news last night is we don't know where she was going. We don't know why she was what she was even building up to. Of course not, because this system was not designed to do what they did yesterday. See what this system is has been designed to do. Now, this is not its original design, but what it's been designed to do lately is just give political candidates airtime so they can position themselves with their voters. That's all this system is for. It's not a search for truth. They weren't looking for the truth last night. And if I hear one more damn person say about the FBI, the FBI does not deliver truth. They deliver raw data. So they deliver all the he said, she says. Well, we have all of that. What we're looking for here is evidence. And there is no evidence. There's no evidence. So the Republicans, they get up and they treat Ford with respect. I'm tweeting. I'm tweeting the whole time. I'm, I'm, I am making sure I am on my best behavior because that's what the country needs. Best behavior. Not as a media person, but also as a dad. I didn't say this woman is making all this stuff up. I said, this woman says this man pinned her down and tried to take her clothes off. When, Dad? 36, 37 years ago. We're not even sure of the year. We're not sure of the year? No, we're not sure of the month. We're not even sure of the day. Well, where did it happen? We don't know that. Well, does anybody else say that it happened? She said that there were four other people there. All four of them have said that didn't happen. Now, it would be very easy for me to then say, see, she's lying. Instead, I expressed her viewpoint that it is something that they may not have remembered because it was normal for them. When the press was was fawning over her crying, 
I did not utter to my children, no, she's not crying. Uh, has anybody seen her wipe a tear? I, I said yesterday to my kids and to the public that I could feel her fear and I could understand it. She was in a very dicey situation yesterday. And I felt for her and I listened to her. I went with an open mind. And here's what I found about Ford. Personally, I thought what we saw yesterday was somebody who was very afraid, somebody who was very nervous. But I'm sorry, I didn't connect the emotion of this was the worst experience of my life and I've never been able to get past it. It's why I have two front doors. I was not able to get past it. It didn't seem connected. Now, she was asking for caffeine. I wanted to ask the question, which I think is absolutely appropriate, and I'm not trying to throw her under the bus, but in you, your case, you had to fly here, which you don't like to do. You had to fly here. You are now, your family is under attack. People have come out of the woods. You don't know what this hearing is going to be. I can't imagine you've slept well for a week. Are you under any kind of doctor's uh, orders or medication? Why are you asking for caffeine? I would think that this would keep you wide awake. This is the most important thing you'll ever probably do. Why caffeine? When she said halfway through, I'm sorry, Senator, I I can't keep up. My brain's not working uh, fast right now. I wondered again, are you on any kind of medication? That is not a smear. That's an honest question because she seemed detached to me, recalling the worst time of her life. Her voice, her voice changed. But I didn't see it in her face. I didn't see it in her eyes. Now, that doesn't mean that it didn't happen. I think she was tranquilized. I think she is. She was on medication, which I understand. But if that's true, that would explain why it didn't seem to come from the chest. It seemed to come from her head. Now, maybe others had a different experience with her. But I walked away from it thinking she's somewhat credible She should be taken seriously, but I don't know. But I was actually, before Kavanaugh spoke, more open to her having a slam dunk. I wanted to see how he was going to respond. And then I saw him respond. And I'm sorry. But that emotion was real. That emotion came from the heart, not the head. Now, I am willing to say they both believe exactly what they're saying. 100%. I have a hard time with somebody saying to the press, saying in a statement, I didn't know for sure, but after I met with my attorneys for six days... I'm 100% sure it was Brett Kavanaugh. 
Could it be Brett Kavanaugh? Yeah, it could be. Is it? I have no idea because I do believe him. So now we're left with, what are we going to do? Well, what do we do? Yeah, that's the funny thing. That's why you don't air these things in public. That's why you have, you have a prosecutor's office who looks at the cops and says, well, you give me a bunch of raw data here. It means nothing. I know. Well, we had the FBI ask all these questions. Well, yeah, you got a lot of questions here, but I don't see any answers. I don't have a case. I'd be laughed out of court. This is why the Democrats did not bring this up two months ago, because there is no answer to this. You know who you know who the real abuser is here? Senator Feinstein and the rest of her clan who tried to round up and lynch a man based on hearsay. How that letter, how was that letter leaked? We all know the Democratic Party leaked that letter. Why? Because they knew they had nothing. All they had was a smear. Now, they may believe her, and you can believe her. I'm not God. So I'm at the point where I say, I think it's pretty weak, but who am I to say? I can't judge her emotion. I have a problem with it, but everybody's different. So I'm not going to judge her. I look at Kavanaugh. I believe him. I believe his emotion was real. I believe this man was. I believe this man. You want to talk about reparations? How do you how do you repair his life? Now, God help him if he's a liar. God help her if she's a liar. But dear God, help us. Because we are turning into animals. What's really frightening is people deserve, people deserve in a republic the government that they get. What the hell did yesterday say about us? I have much more to say, including outrage. Addicted to outrage? Yesterday is not an addiction to outrage. Yesterday is righteous indignation. Yesterday is why people voted for Donald Trump. Yesterday is why people on the right will go out at the midterms if they have a memory that lasts more than a day. And they will vote against this new blue wave. Because this is not American. Back in just a second. First, our sponsor is Simply Safe. Simply Safe, home security. Pat, you have uh, Simply Safe because you were, they jacked with your uh, rates on your, on your wired system, right? Yeah. When uh, our original contract 
uh, expired, it, are, are the price of monitoring went from thirty-two to sixty dollars. So it practically so it, doubled. It doubled. What? Yeah. Did, did the we service thought, you double? Know what? No, I'm not going to do this. The service double? No. Well, uh, what was it? Not one extra thing. Not one surprisingly. Extra thing. Yeah. But they for just for monitoring to see if it goes off sixty dollars mm-hmm. a month. Yeah. Wow. Is there a better deal? Is there a better way to go? Well, yeah, fourteen ninety nine huh. a month, which is what you did. You went with Simply Safe. That does seem better. Too, it does. It? Yeah. it does. I like it. And you're held hostage because you can't switch companies with the other companies. Mm-hmm. You can't switch. No, that's not our system. We have to put a brand new system in, which allows them to charge you fifty or sixty dollars a month to monitor. They say, "Well, you're not just paying for the monitoring; you're paying for the whole system." Have you seen the price of the system? I mean, let's be real. Have you seen the price of the system? Pat, you put one in. Mm-hmm. Uh, anywhere close to expensive? No. Yeah. no. I mean, it's ridiculous. It is, it's so eye-opening when you see state-of-the-art technology and what it actually costs, and then how they're screwing you with 60 bucks a month, 50, 40 bucks a month for monitoring. There's no uh, contracts. There's no wiring. You put it up in an hour. And you are protected for fourteen ninety nine a month. No contract. Cancel at any time. No big deal. Simply Safe. If you order today, you'll get ten percent off at simplysafebeck.com. Simplysafebeck.com. I think thirty thousand Google reviews now. Five star ratings. Simplysafebeck.com. Glad back. I believe this is going to backfire big time on the progressive Democrats. This is going to backfire because Americans believe in fairness and they believe in justice. Ford was good, but she did not change any minds last night. She was good. Kavanaugh. Kavanaugh changed the dynamics. Now, you can call him angry. But that's not a anger and that's not outrage. That is called righteous indignation. I ask anyone who said he was angry to put yourself into his shoes. He claims he is innocent. He has gone through 11 days of hell. Can you imagine the conversations he had with his children? Can you imagine the conversations that his wife has had to endure as he walked and paced his house or his office? And he said, none of this is true. Americans are fair. And fair-minded people don't feel comfortable today deciding between her or him. They don't know. They weren't there. We've been lied to by politicians and media our whole life. I am not willing to condemn a man And have him go off into the sunset and us never think about him ever again. While he just tries to put the the wreckage of his life together. I am also not willing to say nothing happened to Professor Ford. I don't know. I wasn't there. Here's what I am willing to say. Democrats, you should be ashamed of yourself. Shame on you. You used Ford and you used Kavanaugh. For what? Your power? You are grotesque. Grotesque monsters. It's why people say, I've had enough. 
This is the Glenn Beck Program. I thought what was uh, remarkable yesterday was the way the uh, conservatives handled themselves. The conservatives handled themselves, I thought, very well. I thought they treated uh, Ford with dignity and respect. Nobody was smirking. Nobody was mocking. And the same cannot be said uh, for the left. As soon as Brett Kavanaugh started to talk, of course, the Democrats were smirking. They were mocking. None of them apologized for what was going on in his life. The Republicans apologized immediately. The first thing, I'm sorry that this is happening to you. The first words, I am sorry that you have to go through this. To Ford, Americans are fair, but let me, let me talk to you. I think yesterday is a great example of what I lay out in my book, Addicted to Outrage. Outrage is bad. Righteous indignation is good. Sometimes, sometimes it is absolutely appropriate and needed. Yesterday, what did they do? They knew. Now, I give them just, I, I, I take this with a grain of salt because it was all politics. If they thought another, uh, another way would be more effective, perhaps the Republicans would have behaved differently. But what they did was right yesterday. You empathize. You listen. You hear somebody out. You treat them with respect. You then ask for the facts and you use reason. When somebody else comes to the table and they're just a team player, they're not coming with the same intent. Their intent is to win. Those who seek power, money, a win for themselves or their team, those who will abandon principles, you cannot deal with them. You can't. People say to me all the time, Glenn, you want us to make friends. No, I don't. No, I do not. Read the book. No, I don't. There are people, and we saw them yesterday, that you are not going to be able to have a reasonable conversation with. But there are Democrats out there who saw this yesterday and were ashamed now, I don't know how many people had the time to actually watch all of it because I'm watching the news and it's already disconnected from what actually happened yesterday. I was home yesterday sick, so I watched the whole damn thing. I watched every second of it. I know what happened. And it's not being reflected accurately in the news. There's a reason to be angry. This FBI thing goes against basic fairness. And would you trust, would you trust a dossier in the hands of both the Republicans and the, and the Democrats in Washington? What an FBI dossier does is basically the Steele dossier. The FBI goes out and they talk to everyone they don't make a judgment. They just get all raw data. And that gives you a dossier of saying things like, yeah, he was in Moscow and had a golden shower with prostitutes. Do you think that is something that we should know about? Would you want that out about you? Out and out, bald face lies? 
because the FBI dossier talks to everyone and judges no one. It's then given to the Senate. And it's very easy if you have a dossier on somebody just to leak it. I don't know where that leak came from. Gosh, I don't know who gave that information. Golden showers in Moscow. Wow. Well, it's out there now. He's going to have to deal with it. We are just and fair people. Now, she made quite a statement. I'm 100% sure. Well, that's that's good. That's good. But I'm sorry it's not enough. Planned Parenthood yesterday was, what do you say? What do you say to somebody uh, that shares their experience at sexual assault? You say, I believe you. No, you do not. No, you do not. You say, I am sorry that you may have had this experience. Can you give me more information? Because if this happened to you, we need to stop the bad guy. You do not say, I believe you. You say, I am listening. I can empathize. Give me more information. Let's get the bad guy. Planned Parenthood, how dare you say? How dare you? Another example of using women. They don't care about you. Using women. What do you say when somebody shares with you their sexual assault? You say, I believe you. Is that what you said? Is that what you said to Keith Ellison's accusers? Is that what you said, Planned Parenthood? Because I haven't heard it. You are a fraud. You are a political organization that, that for some unknown reason, we are funding. You're a fraud. You're a butcher house. You have no credibility. Here's what happens. If we say, oh, we believe you. I want to I I play for you a quick story about a guy named Ronald Cotton and a victim, Jennifer Thompson. This is in her voice. She is telling this at a press conference. I want you to hear this. In 1984, I was a 22-year-old college student. One night, someone broke into my apartment, put a knife in my throat, and he raped me. During the ordeal, I studied every single detail on his face because I was confident, should I be allowed to see the next day that I was going to make sure he was put in prison and he was going to rot. I went down to the police station, I did a composite drawing. Several days later, I did a physical lineup and I identified my attacker and I knew who he was. I, I was confident I had picked the right guy and he was going to go to jail. And if there was a death penalty, I would be there to pull the plug. We went to court. I stood on the witness stand and I put my hand on the Bible and I swore that I would tell the truth. And I did. And Ronald Cotton was sentenced to prison for life. And it was the happiest day of my life. Ronald Cotton was never going to get out. He was never going to hurt another woman. And he served until 1995 when DNA became available. And I was asked to take a blood test. 
DNA test came back, and the detective and the district attorney told me, Ronald Cotton didn't rape you. It was Bobby Poole, the man I had never seen before in my life. The man who was inches from my face with a knife to my throat. Ronald Cotton was released after 11 years. He and I are the same age. During those 11 years, I had gone on. I had been married. I was a mommy. Ronald Cotton didn't get to do that. Ronald Cotton is married now, and he's a daddy. And Ronald's my friend. This, this Ronald Cotton story is a great example of of why people are in jail that shouldn't be in jail. Now, sometimes it's because they're in jail because people, you know, somebody was corrupt. Somebody made up a story. Somebody was trying to shift the blame. You're the wrong color. You're in the wrong place at the wrong time. We have a justice system to do our best to to even let a perpetrator go as opposed to letting somebody sit and rot in prison wrongly. That should be our worst nightmare, is being wrongly accused. And what we just played for you, this, this audio of a woman who is raped. She did her best. She said she studied the man's face as he was raping her, she would never forget what he looked like. I, I want to play the end of this story of hers one more time. And he served until 1995 when DNA became available. And I was asked to take a blood test. DNA test came back. And the detective and the district attorney told me, Ronald Cotton didn't rape you. It was Bobby Poole. The man I had never seen before in my life. The man who was inches from my face with a knife to my throat. Ronald Cotton was released after 11 years. He and I are the same age. During those 11 years, I had gone on. I had been married. I was a mommy. Ronald Cotton didn't get to do that. Ronald Cotton is married now. He's a daddy. And Ronald's my friend. I'm here to tell you that eyewitnesses can make mistakes. Eyewitnesses make mistakes. Eyewitnesses. Here's a woman who had a knife to her throat. She studied him. She was 100% certain that's the man. This didn't happen 36, 37 years ago her this happened she went to a lineup it was fresh in her mind she picked him out that's the man i'm 100 percent sure if it wasn't for dna he'd still be rotten rotting wrongly in jail the american people are a lot of things This is why we have freedom of speech. This is why we don't shout people down. This is why we, we don't, like progressives, say, well, we're going to fix it for the American people. I strongly believe in what Jefferson said. The American people will get it wrong. But eventually they will correct it. 
trust the people. We've gone down this road far enough. We. I do not want my worst enemy. My worst enemy, and I can't even think of who that might be. I wouldn't want my worst enemy to wrongly be accused. I wouldn't want them to stir life, destroy George Soros. I do not want him chased out of the public square on wrong or iffy information. I'll take him at his own words. I think that's enough. But everybody has to do their own homework. You can make, you can, you can point to somebody's words and say, look, and read all of it. We're not reading all of it. We don't have all of it because all of it doesn't exist. Imagine you sitting behind your son or your daughter where they are wrongly accused in court. They, are, they, they have been accused of murder or rape. And you strongly believe they didn't do it. And they strongly believe they didn't do it. They, they say absolutely, positively, I did not do this. Imagine what you would feel like as a mom and a dad sitting behind your child. And the only evidence is somebody's testimony from 36 or 37 years ago. That she, up until 20 days ago, said, I'm not sure that it's Brett. Now says, I'm 100% sure it's your son, your daughter. They don't know where this took place. They don't know when this took place. They have no other witnesses. They have nothing. Do you want this to happen to your son or daughter? This is the Niemöller poem. First, they came for fill-in-the-blank. First, they came for Bill O'Reilly, but Bill O'Reilly, he probably did it, so I didn't say anything. They came for Glenn Beck, but he weathered a storm, and, you know, he said a lot of crazy things, and uh, it's, he's not on my side anyway. I'm glad he's gone. They came for Roseanne. They came from Alex Jones. Yeah, but he deserved it. Well, have you noticed they're not coming for Antifa? They're not coming for people who have the opposing point of view. You better stand up for due process. Bill O'Reilly next. The country has been pushed to the limit. Our political bonds have been torn apart. We need a true leader who can save us from certain doom. (laughs) Unfortunately, we could only find this guy. Hey, it's Glenn Beck. Glenn Beck is coming live to talk about the right path forward and to make fun of the people standing in the way. He might not be able to save the country, but at least we can all go down laughing. Glenn Beck Live, the Addicted to Outrage Tour, on tour this fall. 
for tickets, VIP packages, and more. Visit glennbeck.com. Glenn Beck. We have Bill O'Reilly coming up in a second, but I want to I want to start with a couple of things. CNN yesterday was lecturing America, and I watched all day on CNN. They were lecturing about how the Republicans needed to listen to Ford with an open mind. Well, I, for one, didn't need their lecturing. I listened to her with an open mind. I found her compelling. I understood her fear of being there. She's been used and abused by this process, by the Democrats. Who had an open mind? When Jeff Flake was trying to get into an elevator yesterday, somebody stopped him. Listen to this audio real quick. I I told the story of my sexual assault. I told it because I recognize in Dr. Ford's story that she's telling the truth. What you are doing is allowing... Here she is. She says, my sexual experience. There is one thing when you channel your experience into this. Millions of American women who have gone through this understand. Yes, they may be able to relate what she's saying, but that doesn't make what she's saying real. Even Jake Tapper yesterday said there is no evidence anywhere on any of these charges. You came with an open mind yesterday because you wanted the truth. And you might have listened to Ford as the reports show that Donald Trump thought Ford's testimony was very good. Oh, it looks like he's going soft. He listened to it. It's very good. That's what you should have felt. And it is also why, in due process, the person charged then responds. It's why the Democrats wanted to flip these two. So he didn't have a chance to respond. And his response was forceful, not angry. It was full of righteous indignation. And then Lindsey Graham spoke. And I, you know what? I don't like Lindsey Graham, but he spoke for me yesterday and he spoke to millions of Americans who feel the same way. You want to know why Donald Trump won? Because of what happened yesterday. Millions of Americans are exhausted. This is political insanity and suicide. We are tired of watching a man and his family publicly be uh, disgraced, defaced, destroyed, This is not the way Americans are supposed to act. And it gets worse every day. When we think it can't get lower, it does. Is there any shame? Yesterday, I think we all know that the Republic is in danger. We are in danger just as much as we were on September 11, 2001. Our foundation is being rocked. Humanity in the United States of America is at risk. And if we are at risk, the entire world is at risk. How can we live alongside people who are capable of the of the politics of destruction that we have seen? And we've had to sit here and just take it. Supporting Kavanaugh has not been allowed. If you support Kavanaugh, you're a rapist. You like rape. You hate women. Senator Graham spoke and broke the silence. He said what many people have felt burning inside of them. Anyone who has been threatened by the bullies of the left, if you didn't hear it, 
You have to. If you if you did, it's worth hearing again. If you wanted an FBI investigation, you could have come to us. What you want to do is destroy this guy's life, hold this seat open, and hope you win in 2020. You've said that, not me. You've got nothing to apologize for. When you see Sotomayor and Kagan, tell them that Lindsey said hello, because I voted for them. I would never do to them what you've done to this guy. This is the most unethical sham since I've been in politics. And if you really wanted to know the truth, you sure as hell wouldn't have done what you've done to this guy. Are you a gang rapist? No. I cannot imagine what you and your family have gone through. Boy, y'all want power. God, I hope you never get it. I hope the American people can see through this sham that you knew about it and you held it. You had no intention of protecting Dr. Ford. None. She's as much of a victim as you are. God, I hate to say it because these have been my friends. But let me tell you when it comes to this. You're looking for a fair process? You came to the wrong town at the wrong time, my friend. It's Friday, September 28th. You're listening to the Glenn Beck Program. Bill O'Reilly, welcome to the program. Bill, how are things? Uh, busy, Beck. I'm glad you're back on the radio. Uh, thank you. Um, feeling better, I hope? I am feeling better. Uh, yesterday did not help my blood pressure at all. Uh, no. I, you know, I watched this yesterday, and I'm anxious to hear your uh, your view of this. I thought... You know, with an exception of the lack of evidence, the lack of any specific detail, um, I, I couldn't come out and say, oh, she's lying. This is clearly a lie. It didn't feel uh, it didn't feel like it came from her heart as much as it did from her head. But she was so afraid of testifying yesterday. I think that kind of jumbled everything. So I don't I don't know if I even got a real read from her. But I'm willing to take it at face value if there is evidence. There is no evidence. And when Kavanaugh came up, I, I mean, he made me cry two or three times just because of the thought of what his life has been like against, against a foe that is, is shadow boxing. Tell me about it, Beck. I know. Okay. So I approach things differently than uh, most uh, media people do. And um, I watched all of it yesterday. I saw the whole thing because I was on BillOReilly.com tweeting. I wrote a column. Mm -hmm. I wrote a message of the day. And then I delivered my half-hour broadcast uh, last night. I de-emphasized the testimony of Dr. Ford only because I can not say with any certainty what happened to her. And I think that's fair. I, I can't, it's beyond my capability. I can't read her mind. I yeah. can't read her heart. And I think I most talk to a therapist, most Americans are like this there. I don't, right. I'm not willing I, I, to throw her under the, I'm not I willing to throw her under the bus. Right. I respectfully listened to her. Yes. And then I started to put things together. So the headline of the story is she cannot corroborate 
her accusation against an American citizen, Brett Kavanaugh. That's the headline. Everybody should understand that. Can't corroborate it. And everybody's gone over it, but I'll just tell you one thing. I have a 15-year-old son, and I discussed this with him. If you're 15 years old and you're traumatized, you remember as Dr. Ford did. But you also remember details about it. You don't remember who drove you there or who drove you home? Impossible to me. To me, to now, I'm sure you can get a psychologist to come in and say, oh, no, uh, people black out or whatever. To me, you got to know how you got home. Bill, I have to tell you, um, uh, there are things that, you know, the only thing I can compare this to is my mother's sudden death. I, I'm 15 years old. My mother suddenly dies. I can tell you where I was when I found out. I can tell you. Um, where I, you know, when I first suspected, I can tell you where I was. I can tell you when I was, which class I was in, what I was looking at. I can't tell you the names of the faces and the people around me, but I can remember all those details. I can remember um, what we had to do that day. I can remember some very clear specifics. There is, there is, it's beyond reason to me to not be able to say it was at this house because that would be right. part of it. You would right, remember, so you, you would and, avoid you that house. You are logical, linear thinkers. All right? And, and so that is a major, major piece of our evaluation. But then it gets, it gets a little dicey. And here's really, this is the second headline. Diane Feinstein is a villain. She orchestrated this whole thing. She directed Dr. Ford to the most radical left law firm in the country. Dr. Ford doesn't know who's paying her lawyers, doesn't know who paid for the lie detector test. Her lawyers told the Senate Judiciary Committee she couldn't go in for an interview because she was afraid to fly. And the woman from Arizona dismantled that immediately by saying, you, Dr. Ford, have flown all over the world. Did you notice, though, Bill, that they didn't that what the commentators were saying yesterday was not that they were uh, they, they said the Democrats or the Republicans and this prosecutor, they were trying to uh, undermine her credibility. No, they weren't. They were trying to point out. She's being used and manipulated here. I think that she bears a little bit of guilt for this. The Senate Judiciary Committee wanted to interview her to get her on the record so they could investigate her story. Not to nail her to the wall. They wanted to get a timeline and names so they could check them out. She refused to do the interview. And you're telling me that a Ph.D. doesn't know who's paying the lawyers? Mm -hmm. Doesn't know who's paying the lie detector test? Doesn't know what day the lie detector test was given? She said, well, you know, it was on a day my grandmother died, or maybe the day after. 
you know, it starts not to stack. And anybody in this country who has been accused of anything, and that includes kids in classrooms, all right, which they didn't do, unfairly accused, starts to say, all right, give me the facts. Tell me the facts. They weren't told. So my conclusion was, if I were a senator of the United States, I would vote to confirm Judge Kavanaugh, because there was simply nothing there to disqualify him. I'm a linear thinker. I'm a logical man. Everybody listening to us right now, ask yourself this question. Was there anything that you saw or heard yesterday that disqualified Judge Brett Kavanaugh from sitting on the Supreme Court? Is a woman standing at an elevator screaming at a senator that she herself was assaulted, therefore Judge Kavanaugh is guilty? Is that enough to vote against Judge Kavanaugh? Because that's what the senator from Hawaii is saying. That's what Kirsten Gillibrand from New York is saying, and Kamala Harris, and Dianne Feinstein. They're saying because women have been assaulted in the past, in the right now, whatever, you can't vote for any man who's been accused. Any man. So therefore, anybody can raise an accusation to disqualify anyone from an appointed position or even running for office. All right. I want to get to uh, Bill's take on what Kavanaugh said yesterday when we come back. First, I want to talk to you a little bit about our sponsor this half hour. It's Car Shield. You take your car into the mechanic and... Oh, my gosh. It's, it's always hair-raising. When you don't have money to, uh, you know, fix your car, and when does anybody have money? It's like, oh, yeah, oh, well, that's no big deal. I just pay for that and fix it. It's no big deal. I don't care how much money you make. It's a big deal. When something, a sensor goes wrong in your car and it's $1,000 or $2,000, it's a big deal to anybody. But it's really a big deal if you are living the way most people do. You don't have a thousand bucks for a sensor on your car that just went out. That's why you have Car Shield. It is almost, if I can describe it this way, and I probably, I don't know, there's only so many laws on It's basically insurance. Something goes wrong. You're paying, you know, and you're saying, hey, I, uh, you know, I'm going to pay you X dollars a, uh, a month. If something goes wrong, I'm not going to have the thousand bucks. Will you pay it? That's what Car Shield does. They pay for it. They pay for the, the mechanic, they pay for the materials, they pay for everything. Uh, that is covered in your extended, it's not an extended warranty, I can't even say that, with this package, with this coverage for your car. It's going to be fixed. They have 24-7 roadside assistance. They have rental cars. Uh, while yours is being fixed, it's free. You don't have to wait for a check. They pay the person who, wherever you brought it, you brought it to the dealer, you brought it to a friend down the street. Car Shield. I have it for my cars. Your car has, you know, 5,000 to 150,000 miles on it. Doesn't matter. If you don't have a warranty for your car, Car Shield is there so you don't have to go out of pocket. 
Call them now. 1-800-CAR-6100. 1-800-CAR-6100. Use the promo code BECK, carshield.com, or 800-CAR-6100. Save 10%. Promo code BECK, carshield.com. Glenn Beck. Bill O'Reilly from BillOReilly.com. Uh, and uh, his new book is coming out October 9th. It's called Kiss, uh, Killing the SS. You can buy it uh, right now. You buy Addicted Outrage. Bundle it up with Bill O'Reilly's book, Killing the SS. It's coming out in a couple of weeks. Bill, your thoughts on Kavanaugh. He's being described everywhere in the, in the press as angry and hostile. Well, that's not how I saw him. I, I saw him as indignant and fed up. Um, but, you know, spin is spin. It was a vicious cartoon in my local newspaper, Newsday on Long Island, which is, you know, the usual mm-hmm. knee-jerk liberal paper uh, about Kavanaugh, you know, looking menacing and all of this, and then next to him, uh, Dr. Ford crying, uh, you know, that kind of no, stuff. No, she was not crying. There was not no, one No, this tear. was in the political cartoon. Okay, all right. All right, so the, you know, yeah, I know. Um, the best moment that Kavanaugh had was when he talked about his 10-year-old daughter, mm-hmm. um, suggesting that um, they pray for the woman. And um, I thought Kavanaugh was very smart to come out blazing because you have to understand one thing, and this is the only thing that's going to save America. Because in your opening remarks, you were right. I mean, we're living now in a time where we're on the cliff. We can go over. If Americans say, hey, you know, I'm going to support a party that's going to destroy anyone they don't like. I'm going to support that party and give them power. This is Stalin now. His whole thing changes. But Kavanaugh came out, and he was very raw in his defense, saying, you destroyed me. And even if he gets confirmed, this will never go away. Never. Right. Never. And his, his wife and daughters will be traumatized forever as well. So you did it. And you did it for political reasons, because I'm innocent. Very powerful. Now, what I'm feeling and seeing in my community is anger and a backlash against the left-wing media, which is as dishonest as it's ever been in this country, and the Feinstein-Schumer-led Democratic Party. I'm seeing that here, and I live in a pretty diverse community, not a conservative place. (laughs) And anger overrides every other emotion when it comes to voting and politics. Let me repeat that. Anger overrides everything else. Dr. Ford will be forgotten. Nobody's going to remember Dr. Ford unless she continues a crusade in two months. But Kavanaugh, they're never going to forget. And the anger about attacking him and his family is now at, I think, a record level. If you, I saw the overnights just for the cable news. Fox News doing record ratings because people are coming in there who support Kavanaugh. The others, CNN and MSNBC, are far behind. So the anger is being galvanized. And will it show up in the midterm elections? I think it might. I think it might, too. Because I fully expect, Beck, another attack, either on Kavanaugh or President Trump, coming 
before the vote back next week. Back on uh, with more with Bill O'Reilly in a minute. You're listening to the Glenn Beck program. Bill O'Reilly, tell me what you think the the committee is voting today at one thirty. Then they have to have a cloture vote, and then I think it's scheduled for Monday a full vote in the Senate. How's this going to play out? I think you'll be confirmed. Um, but here's what I'm worried about. Keep your eye on the New York Times or the Washington Post. It's close. But the New York Times is the head of this movement to disqualify non-liberal people from public service. All right? So the paper sets itself up for anybody in America to call them or get in touch with them to attack conservatives and Republicans. I expect soon another attack on either Kavanaugh or Trump to divert attention away from what I think is going to be a loss yesterday for the liberal community and the progressive movement. They lost. Maybe some of them don't know it, but I think the smarter of them know they lost. So they've got to attack again. With no attack, I think it'll be tied. Somebody will do something. But if any Republican votes against Judge Kavanaugh, they're going to be ostracized from the Republican Party. So if Lisa Murkowski in Alaska votes against Kavanaugh, she's through in the Republican Party. Done. Maybe you peel off Joe Manchin in West Virginia as a Democrat vote. So I think the odds are that he will be confirmed. But believe me when I tell you, they're working feverishly now to attack. So what are they, when you say you think that there is something coming, um, you know, and it might be about Trump, to divert attention or as a last gasp to get somebody to vote against him? Well, they're both the same thing. If you get another accusation against either Kavanaugh or Trump, okay, the press will run with it wall to wall. You know that. Mm -hmm. Nobody will check it out. I mean, this Avenatti thing, it's been discredited by the people, not by the press. The press ran with it. But the American people... He said, look, we don't believe this. We don't believe him. It didn't even come up in the hearing yesterday, which was interesting. Even the, even the fanatical Democrats who put anything and smear anybody stayed away from it. Uh, no, I, no, there were, there were plenty on CNN yesterday uh, well, that, that are on their panels that we're talking about. The, yeah. I'm talking to senators. Yes. Look, the, the pundits on CNN and MSNBC and, and even Fox to a certain extent, are going to say what they think will enrich them because they get paid per appearance. They're going to say what they think the network wants to hear or whatever. I don't even listen to them anymore, Beck. I don't know. Do you um, listen to no, them anymore? First, I don't even listen to them. First time I watched cable news, and I don't know how long was last night. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't. I know what the, 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 the game is. I want to make money, so I'm going to say what I think is going to get me money. And that's what it is. 
So why am I bothering with that? And I think the American public, uh, you know, if you look at the, uh, the viewership, it's going down, particularly among um, Americans 25-54. think they know the game is up. You're not going to learn anything. It's the same garbage. Um, but anyway, keep your eye on the New York Times. And it could be the Washington Post at the vehicle, but there's, there's stuff in the wind right now. They're desperately trying to gin up something else. So when you have um, Feinstein yesterday blaming the victim's friends for releasing this letter, Bill, how the friends didn't have the letter. How, how, how? Diane Feinstein has ruined her reputation. This morning, she attacked Kavanaugh as being belligerent. <laughs> I mean, it's, uh, your jaw just drops. The man, life and family and children are being destroyed, and he doesn't have a right to have some righteous anger on display about it, not according to Diane Feinstein. Anybody following this, anybody paying attention knows that Feinstein orchestrated this whole thing. It came from her. It was leaked from her office. I don't believe that Ford didn't know this was going on because the lawyers at Feinstein directed Ford to, as I said, are the most radical progressive lawyers in this country. So this was a, as Lindsey Graham pointed out, a well-designed hit job held back in case they needed to destroy Kavanaugh at the final hour. And they did need to destroy him because he was on his way to confirmation. So it was all a methodically planned thing led by Diane Feinstein. So the one thing that I did hear yesterday that I agreed with is, you know, Mark Judge is supposed to be, you know, he it's he's accused as well and i know he's sworn yeah. his statement it is different than sitting in front of a panel um when kavanaugh was asked about it he kind of gave a, a i thought a really poor answer on it why wouldn't you have called yesterday why wouldn't they have called uh, mark judge politics they didn't want to take a chance that that he would uh, come in and not be credible this is a republican side so why take the chance? They have his affidavit, sworn affidavit. And on Mr. Judge's part, would you want to go in there and have your no. life ruined? No. Okay. No. So I think we can all understand why Mark Judge didn't want to go in, because he would have been threatened, his whole family would have been threatened, and, and his life would have been altered forever. Does it bother Instead, you that he wrote that book and you know basically talked about these kinds of things? And used Did it bother Bart, me? Yeah, Bart O'Kavanaugh. Does it bother you that, that's, that he wrote this and, and uh, Kavanaugh, again, didn't have a good answer for that, but he had nothing I'm, to do I'm with it? I'm assuming that in the high school that they attended, and I attended a similar school, that there was stupid stuff going on. I, I assume there was drinking and stupid stuff. Yeah. All right, so does it bother me? I mean, I'm not going to cast judgment every every american knows they've done dopey things in their life particularly in high school and college everybody knows that um but i'm i'm sitting there you asked me a question the republicans on the judiciary committee didn't want anyone coming in who the democrats could make a pinata out of Uh that's why they didn't call him do you think they made the right call by having the investigator ask all the questions yesterday 
No. Why? I don't believe she was uh, effective at all. And she wasted a tremendous amount of time. She didn't have a sense of urgency. She was far too accommodating in her, um, you know... Demeanor? I, I think that basically the Republicans on the committee were terrified uh-huh. that they were going to be accused of slamming a victim uh-huh. or a survivor. Uh-huh. That's the new word, survivor. But this, uh, the lady that they brought in from Arizona, she felt that she had all day to do this, and she did not. And she wasted an enormous amount of time. And had not Lindsey Graham taken it away from her, that hearing might have gone the other way. Yeah, Graham saved it. Yeah, I I was really um, I I was disappointed in the results of that. I thought it was you know kind of political cowardice um, that they didn't want to take it on. But I would understand it because there's no way to win. Asking no a survivor, exactly. there was you no way to understand but where we are in America today. No, I, and this is so important for every one of your listeners who is seeking the truth about life and about their country. Anyone who goes up against the progressive movement, anyone is going to be attacked and their lives may be destroyed. This is what happens in totalitarian regimes, and it is happening in here because the press is enabling it. Instead of fighting against that, the press is gleefully joining in, piling the wood up on the pyre so that Dianne Feinstein can light the match. This is where we are in America today, and I am praying, and I, and I use that word literally. I go to church every Sunday. I am praying that voters in November understand the danger of empowering a movement within the Democratic Party that says due process is obsolete, and we have the right to tear you and your family apart if we disagree with you. And this is in late-night comedians now. This is in the newspapers. This is on CNN, all the network news. It is coming, and it is coming at a frightening speed. And the only people who can stop it are the American voter. That's the only way to stop it. Prediction for the November election. Can't do it now. we got to see what happens with Kavanaugh. I do believe if he's confirmed, there'll be a backlash against Feinstein and her crew. I do believe that. But, you know, we talk every week about the third week in October. I'll be able to give you a clearer view. Okay. Bill O'Reilly, thank you so much. Bill O'Reilly from BillOReilly.com and his new book, Killing the SS, is out October 9th. I've read it. It is really, really good. You're in the uh, bookstore. Grab my book, Addicted to Outrage. Yesterday was a perfect example of what I've been talking about. Treat people with respect. Open your mind. Listen to them. Be a fair judge. But when you are dealing with people who are not fair, who do not have truth or justice as their goal, let them have it. Let them know. Righteous indignation is not the same as outrage. 
And what you saw yesterday from Lindsey Graham and what you saw yesterday from Brett Kavanaugh was righteous indignation. That is important. But not if you're also name-calling. And that is where they continue to go wrong. They are both mad and name-calling. People want a shelter from that storm. Find out all about it. Addicted to Outrage and Bill O'Reilly's new book, Killing the SS. Our sponsor this half hour is Simply Safe Home Security. Simply Safe was a uh, company when they started with us. I think they had like five employees. Uh, they were a very small company, and we were thrilled to have them because I met them, and I really, really like these people a lot. They are, um, they are people that believe in capitalism, but they're people that also believe that capitalism works best when you're serving people and when you're building something that they really need. That's why Simply Safe now is like a billion dollar company and I don't know how many employees they have but a buttload. They're they're monitoring now 2 million homes and businesses to make sure that burglars don't break in in the middle of the night or during the day. That's Simply Safe, serving you with comprehensive uh, protection for your home around the clock, professional monitoring and police dispatch. And that happens for $14.99 a month. You own the system. It is a great state-of-the-art system. You're not going to believe how much you have overpaid all of those security companies for your whole life. Wait until you see the price of this system, and it is state-of-the-art. Simply safe. No contracts, no wires, no hidden fees. Within an hour, you're up and running. Simply safe. Go there now, get 10% off at simplysafebeck.com. That's simplysafebeck.com. Well, in, uh, I don't even know, a month, 25 days, we're going out on tour. I haven't been out on tour in I don't know how long. If you've... It's got to be seven years. Yeah, it is. I think it is. At least. It's, they're fun. I really, really enjoy them, and I think you, you're going to enjoy them, too. If you've never been to a Glenn Beck uh, stage show, they are a lot of fun. And uh, we're going to have some audience participation uh, this time around. Uh, and we start, I think we start in Texas. Do you know, Pat? I'm... Yeah, San Antonio is the first stop. Yeah, so San, San Antonio, October 25th, the 26th in Houston, the 27th in uh, Dallas, then November 1st in Richmond, Virginia. When is the election? Hersey, Pennsylvania, November 2nd, November 3rd in Pennsylvania, uh, the 4th in Cleveland, Ohio. Man, I'm going to be there. Oh, this is going to be fun. Right around election time. When is it? Oh, November 6th. Oh, this is great. So the weekend before election, <laughs> oh, I think we're going to have a lot to talk about. Richmond, Hershey, Pennsylvania, and Cleveland. Then November 13th in uh, Kansas City, Evansville, Tulsa, Tampa, and December 1st is Orlando, Florida. Make sure you get your tickets now. The Addicted to Outrage Tour. Um, uh, wow, as we get ready for this election, will this be fun? Gather with your friends, uh, bring your uh, co-workers, bring the people who think they hate my guts. Uh, I, I think they'll be pleasantly surprised that we actually agree on an awful lot. You know, just not the destruction of America, capitalism, and the Western way of life. Other than that, we're good. <laughs> we're good. Uh, so get your tickets now. You can find them at glenbeck.com slash tour or Ticketmaster or wherever you buy your uh, tickets for those particular cities and venues. All right, um, let's change pace here uh, in just a few minutes. Uh, I, I, there's, there's a part of the uh, book. I was on with Mark Levin last night, and I said, you know, we, we have to start talking about 
bigger issues. We have to start looking at the bigger issue. And one of the issues that we have to address is, is this. Is America a good place or a bad place? Because we have to decide, is it worth saving? If it's worth saving, then we have to have that conversation. But nobody's having that conversation. Even though that's what's being fed to us, that America is bad. America is not a good place. Capitalism is bad. Nobody is having the conversation of, well, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Let's look at the balance of things. Let's let's look at what capitalism has done. America has been bad, but America has been good. Capitalism has some bad things. Capitalism has some good things. We're going to try to rebalance the scales when we come back to help people answer the most important question of our lifetime. Is all of this worth saving? Hey, it's Glenn, and I want to tell you about something that you should either end your day with or um, start your morning with, and that is the news and why it matters. If you like this show, you're going to love the news and why it matters. It's a bunch of us that all get together at the end of the day and just talk about the stories that matter to you and your life. The news and why it matters. Look for it now wherever you download your favorite podcast. Glenn Beck. I want to start this hour by... By just asking you this question, just this question, what is this all about? Because it's not really about Kavanaugh and it's not about Ford. It's not even about abortion or the power on the court. It's really not. What what we're experiencing this week is really about this. Do we believe in due process? Do we believe in kangaroo courts? Do we believe in mob justice? We all have to ask ourselves, how do we want the system to work for us or for our family or our friends or our children when politics are not involved? Because we are changing America. Every day we change America. It becomes a reflection of us. This, unfortunately, is a reflection of us. Have you ever been accused of something you didn't do? I mean, anything. By a brother or sister who always got away with everything. No, that's not what happened. And you weren't believed. You were condemned. Have you ever had somebody do something to you and you tried to tell people and they didn't believe you? Well, that's Ford and Kavanaugh. Imagine if you were accused of rape and you didn't do it. There is a guy named Thomas Cotton who doesn't have to imagine this. He was accused of rape and he got a fair trial and he went to prison. I want to play his accuser's story in her own voice. Listen to this. In 1984, I was a 22-year-old college student. One night, someone broke into my apartment, put a knife in my throat, and he raped me. During the ordeal, I studied every single detail on his face. Because I was confident, should I be allowed to see the next day, that I was going to make sure he was put in prison and he was going to rot. I went down to the police station. I did a composite drawing. Several days later, I did a physical lineup. And I identified my attacker. And I knew who he was. I, I was confident I had picked the right guy. And he was going to go to jail. And if there was a death penalty, I would be there to pull the plug. We went to court. 
I still don't know what to stand. I put my hand on the Bible, and I swore that I would tell the truth, and I did. And Ronald Cotton was sentenced to prison for life, and it was the happiest day of my life. Ronald Cotton was never going to get out. He was never going to hurt another woman, and he served until 1995 when DNA became available, and I was asked to take a blood test. DNA test came back, and the detective and the district attorney told me, Ronald Cotton didn't rape you. It was Bobby Poole, the man I had never seen before in my life, the man who was inches from my face with a knife to my throat. Ronald Cotton was released after 11 years. He and I are the same age. During those 11 years, I had gone on. I had been married. I was a mommy. Ronald Cotton didn't get to do that. Ronald Cotton is married now, and he's a daddy. And Ronald's my friend. I'm here to tell you that eyewitnesses can make mistakes. This woman testified and told the truth, but she was wrong. New evidence, new evidence told the truth. This is due process, and we still get it wrong. Here's what Jake Tapper said about evidence other than he said, she said, last night. The charges are upsetting, uh, and and, uh, they're obviously, they've triggered an entire uh, national conversation uh, about sexual assault and sexual harassment, about the unequal way uh, that women and girls are treated in this country. At the same time, there is, as of now, no contemporaneous corroborating evidence for any of the charges, as far as we know. We haven't seen anybody emerge and say, yes, I remember that. And that is an important part of the story as well. That is not just an important part of the story. That is the story. That is the story. And I, for one, I, for one, will not condemn Ford, and I will not condemn uh, uh, Brett Kavanaugh. I wasn't there. I'm not God. There is no evidence. They need to vote to confirm. And we need to stop the witch hunts. It's Friday, September 28th. You're listening to the Glenn Beck Program. So, in my book, Addicted to Outrage, um, there are lots of examples of of why we should uh, really be talking about something entirely different. Why we should be talking about how do we make, how do we strengthen this and spread this around the world? Right now, our dialogue is America sucks, nothing is good, everything is bad, and that is absolutely not true. In the middle chapter of the, the book, I, I ask this question. Is this worth saving? Nobody's asking this. We're talking about getting rid of capitalism, changing our whole system, changing everything about it. It doesn't work. No one is asking the question that must be asked first. Is this worth saving? Is America and the West good or bad? It can be both because people are both. But is it on the on the whole has it helped more people or hurt more people? 
We're not having that conversation. We are having it now. Arthur Brooks is the president of the American Enterprise Institute. He's a guy who grew up in Seattle. I grew up in the Seattle area. Um, He remembers the first time he saw poverty. And I think it's the first time I really saw poverty as well. I think it was it was probably the Michael Jackson, uh, that fundraiser, We Are the World, where we were trying to raise money for Ethiopia. And we saw these kids with the bloated stomachs and the flies on their face. We had never seen anything like that. That was a pivot point for Arthur Brooks in his life. Arthur, welcome to the program. Hey, Brother Glenn, how are you? Very good. You in months. How are you doing? I'm, I'm, I am great. I am great. Um, I, I wanted to get you on because we do not talk about what capitalism uh, and what this country has has done, what the Western way of life has done. And we are just allowing it to be thrown out the window. And yeah. you make compelling case because you didn't come at this with politics in mind. No, I don't. You know, and, and a lot of the things that we're talking about today, I was listening to the last segment of your great show, and, and you're talking about this big war, this big cultural battle that we're having in this country. So whether it's about the Kavanaugh hearings or about the Trump administration or about capitalism in general, these are really kind of proxy cultural battles that we're having mm-hmm. in, in our country today. It's a culture of outrage. You've talked about this a lot. Um, you've done yeoman's work on this important topic, and it's important for all of us to remember we are so unbelievably blessed in this country. We live in a peaceful society. I mean, you'd go on social media if you dare, you know, if you if you can stomach it, and listen to people saying the most vile, ghastly things to each other. But but let's remember, there's going to be no knock in the night. There's going to be no jackbooted thug. Nobody's going to take you off to prison. God bless this country. And we have to stop taking for granted the fact that we live in a democratic, peaceful society. And we have to stop trashing each other all the time and having these dumb proxy wars it's completely unproductive so right now i you know the big ideas are being trashed the ideas of freedom of speech um because you know you have to have a safety safety space all of these all this nonsense yeah but also capitalism itself when you saw the pictures back in the 80s of those starving ethiopians it bothered you and you actually that that set your feet on the course of trying to find out what happened to them, right? It did. I mean, the fact that I'm a political conservative today has everything to do with the fact that I share the objectives of most of my my, my left-wing friends and family, that I care about poverty the most. And I started to look for the way that you can wipe out poverty. Everybody listening to us, Glenn, believes in, in the, their, their obligation, in fact, their privilege to lift up their brothers and sisters at the margins of American society and, and, and society around the world. What really matters is what works, what system works while you sleep. I became a proponent of the American free enterprise system as a gift to the world because I wanted to do more to help my brothers and sisters. And I found that there was one system that pulled people up by the billions all around the world. These are big issues that we need to be talking about in America today and how we can do this better. Can you give me some of the stats, Arthur? I know you, I don't know if you have them off the top of your head. Oh, I do. Oh, absolutely. Right. So from 1970 until today, you know, when, when you and I were 
really little kids. Um, that was when the world started to open up and people started to see what was going on. So it was really in the 70s that people saw that Ethiopian famine. I went to India for the first time when I was 19 years old in 1983. I saw starving children. It was ghastly. From 1970 until today, 80% of the world's poverty has been eradicated. Starvation level poverty has been eradicated. Now, 70% of Americans actually think that poverty is getting worse. And the reason is because it's never like front page in the New York Times or any of the newspaper, millions saved from poverty. I mean, that's not a news story. You only see the things that are going wrong. But the truth is that two billion of our brothers and sisters have been pulled out of starvation level poverty, Glenn, since you and I were kids. And there was one thing that did that, and that was democratic capitalism. And that is America's export to the world. There, I don't think you would disagree with me, Arthur, um, that we are not using the first half of Wealth of Nations moral sentiments. We are we we have we think that capitalism is just going to be good no matter you know who's wielding it and and it's just going to produce wonderful things no it as adam smith uh, lines out it it can produce really bad things as well yeah capitalism depends on the people who are willing uh, are wielding it but also uh depends on on what our goals are yeah, absolutely. And it's corrupt now. Would you agree with that? Yeah, that's it. Well, it's because the problem is it's not capitalism. A lot of what we see today, wire deals, cronyism, all the special stuff that's going on with powerful people in Washington, D.C., and in every state capital around the country, that's actually not competition. That's trying to shut competition down on behalf of powerful people. So, so competition is good. Competition in politics and in economics and in the competition of ideas. The fact is that you know the Glenn Beck Show, is part of the competition of ideas in a free and democratic nation. It's very, very important. Anybody who wants to shut down competition on behalf of powerful people is not a competitor, doesn't believe in capitalism, doesn't believe in democracy, and doesn't believe in the free exchange of ideas. To compete means to do it better than the other guy, fairly, peacefully, and respectfully, and to win over an audience. And so that, that's really what we ought to be doing, and that's what we're moving away from. Okay, so Arthur, I'm going to take a quick break, and I want to come back with a question that I can not find a satisfactory answer on i am a big uh, believer in capitalism however um there throughout history some people like vanderbilts etc etc they get so much money they have so much power that they are controlling things and it, it just seems to spiral out of control when you have you know uh, just a lock on this wealth and we are creating people through Google, et cetera, et cetera, that are doing the same thing. How do you balance the power? How do you, how do you make sure who's, who can compete against Google? How are you going to do that? How does that work when you get to that point? And I'd like to hear your answer on that when we come back. First, let me tell you about uh, ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter is, uh, ZipRecruiter is the number one job site, I think in the world, definitely in America. Job sites, uh, that you can go to and you can post and then they just overwhelm you with all kinds of resumes. That is not ZipRecruiter. And that is why they're the number one job site. ZipRecruiter.com slash Beck. You go there. You're going to find the right candidate and you don't have to search through a bunch of stuff. 
They have they have algorithms. They have this. I mean, it's an incredible building full of people that are working on ways to develop this smart technology that knows and can learn exactly what you're looking for, exactly the right fit for your business. And it happens over and over and over and over again. That's why people are going to ZipRecruiter and, you know, saying, hey, I want to put my resume up. That's why that's why um, employers are saying I, I want to be able to uh, use ZipRecruiter because they have access to this huge number. Not only with ZipRecruiter, they go out and they look at all of the other uh, web sites with uh, jobs. Um, and then they also go through all resumes and they're looking for, wait a minute, this person hasn't posted in a while, but. This resume came in, and I think it's perfect for this job wherever you are, and they send it to you. That's why within, I think, the first two hours, the uh, the average customer at ZipRecruiter gets a qualified candidate within two hours. It's amazing. It's why they're rated number one by employers in the U.S. Find out for free what it can do for your business at ZipRecruiter.com. ZipRecruiter.com slash Beck. You use slash Beck. It's exclusive. You get a deal. ZipRecruiter.com slash Beck. Try it for free right now. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Arthur Brooks from ArthurBrooks.com. Make sure you listen to his podcast, The Arthur Brooks Show. Really smart guy. Really good guy. Musician. Um, uh, grew up in, you know, in the Pacific Northwest. Um, it kind of sounds like he kind of had, you know, a typical Seattle hippie kind of family, uh, and, uh, went around the world. It's in a, in a documentary. I think the documentary is called, uh, what's it called Arthur? The Pursuit. Pursuit. Um, and, um, and he's got a fascinating life and was just really searching for answers. Came to find that capitalism is, is what solves all these problems that we have and has made huge, huge increases in happiness around the world and health. So my problem here, and the only loose end I can't tie up, is people like Rockefeller that have, you know, they do something because, you know, they're, they, they discovered oil and they were smart enough to put it all together. And they accumulate this power, and then with all of that money comes corruption and they start to control everybody else's lives um, and start making all the decisions because they have all of this money. How do you, how do you reconcile that? Uh, Because I don't want to take money away from people. Right. No, I got it, Glenn. And, you know, it is distressing when you see something like a family where there was a patriarch that was a good entrepreneur, but then kind of built a moat around the castle. Yes. And that kept a bunch of wealth in the family for six generations and made it harder for other people to rise through current capitalism. That's a big problem. That's actually not capitalism. That's a different system. That's a, those basically, that's a system of wired deals that you could find in any socialist system, any monarchy, any place all around the world. And that's something that we have to fight, whether it's capitalism or, or whatever, whatever ism, whatever economic system that we've got, we have to democratize opportunity. The problem is not that we've got very rich people. The problem is people have a hard time rising, and we have to be putting our resources and our energy and our law and our initiative toward people that are at the bottom, not so they can all get to the top, but so that they can get to the middle. The essence of the American experience, the, the moral basis of the American experience is that the, the you know, three generations ago, the Brookses and the Becks, who were just like scratching out potatoes someplace, Mm -hmm. 
they're, they're nothing more than ambitious riffraff who came to this country and wanted to get to the middle and support themselves and their families. And we have to be warriors for a system that makes sure that people can go from the bottom to the middle. You know, right now, it's a very distressing thing. You know, you go to any good Ivy League university, and you're going to find that there's a system of preferences for legacies. You know, if you went to a university, it's four or five times more likely that your kid is going to get into that great university, which all that is is just saying you, you got into the lucky genetics club. You know, that's, that's actually not compatible with, with a system of American opportunity, with a system of equal dignity of experience. And so that's actually what we need to be thinking about. Don't worry about Google. Worry a lot more about the fact that people at the periphery, at the bottom of our society, can't rise today. That's, that's the really un-American thing. And why can't they rise? They can't rise because we have a discriminatory system of unequal education where poor kids are locked into public education systems. Their parents don't have choices, number one. Number two is we don't have skills training in our communities. We tell people that if they don't go to college, they're somehow losers. We don't have vocational and technical education systems, which is the ultimate education reform. We don't have an apprenticeship system in this country. And most importantly, Glenn, we don't culturally value the skills that come from actually not going to college where people actually have work skills where they can get when they can get ahead if we do those things we can really recreate the opportunity society how did the apprentice system go away it went away for a bunch of different reasons, but par- part of it had to do with the fact that, you know, back in the 19, um, until the 1960s, there was a parallel tracking system in America where white kids would be tracked toward college and black kids, especially in the South, would be tracked toward the trades. And, and you and I know that one of the great advances in American society was the civil rights movement, where we did yes. away with stuff like that. Unfortunately, there were some things where we threw the baby out with the bathwater. White kids, black kids, every kind of kid should have the opportunity to succeed through hard work and skills and personal yeah. initiative without going to college. It's amazing, Arthur, that it's it's that uh, early. I think of apprenticeships, and I think, you know, you're going back to Charles Dickens' time since we've seen it. It's amazing that those that really disappeared in the 60s and 70s. Back with more Arthur Brooks and Is America Worth Saving? Next. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Right at midterms. I'm going out uh, for uh, a tour. This is going to be a blast. It is October 25th in San Antonio, Houston the 26th, Dallas the 27th, then November 1st in Richmond, Hershey on the 2nd, November 3rd is Pittsburgh, then I think we go up to Cleveland, then the election happens. Oh, this is going to be fun. Oh, man. Right before the election and just after the election, plus a chance to get all the madness uh, off your shoulders for a night and just have some fun. Yeah, it's going to be great, great fun. It'll Make sure fun. you grab your tickets. Addicted to Outrage. Uh, it starts in about a month. Grab your tickets now wherever tickets are sold. You can find out more details if I'm coming towards you uh, at glenbeck.com slash tour. I'd love to see you. Seems like the, the, last, uh, the last massive event we did was serious. Wasn't it the one here in Dallas at Cowboy Stadium? Yeah, I think so. And, and so the last fun Comedy tour was 2009 or 2010. Yeah, it was. I bet it's been nine common years. sense. I bet it was common sense. Yeah, yeah. It's been a long time. So, so this is join be great. us. This is lots of fun. Join us. Grab your tickets now. Glenbeck.com/tour. Okay, back with uh, Arthur C. Brooks. He's the president of the American Enterprise uh, Institute. Arthur, the the as we're talking about, is this system even worth saving? Yesterday, 
in politics, it was a nightmare. And people are just turned off by it. And I think they just don't want anything to do with it. Um, on both sides of the aisle, I think anybody who is is a rational human being is like, this is, this is not good. None of this is good. Um, however, w- w- we're not having anyone stand up for the Bill of Rights, the Constitution. That's why politics has gone awry, because we've depe- you know, unpegged from that. Capitalism is, has got a horrible name. You now have 50% of young voters saying, you know, socialism is great. I want what they have over in Sweden. But that's not what they have in Sweden, is it? No, it isn't. And, and by the way, there are some people standing up for the Bill of Rights and the Constitution, guys like Glenn Beck. Well, I mean, you've got a major megaphone, and you're standing up for what's right and true and good. The big problem is that there are too many people in media and in politics and entertainment and on college campuses on the right and the left who are, who are just dining out on the fact that we have a culture of contempt in this country, contempt for each other. I mean, Glenn, you and I, we both have, and everybody listening to us, we love people who disagree with us politically. Mm-hmm. That's fine. That's a good thing. I mean, we all should have friends and, and people that we love who disagree with them. We don't have to agree with them. We should disagree strongly, yeah. but we don't have to hate them. And there are people that are making money and getting famous and getting powerful by trying to get us to hate each other even more. We should be talking about these good things that you talk about, the things that really bring us together, and then try to disagree in a way that the competition can actually convince other people, persuade other people of our ideas. But that's the big problem right now. Too many people are getting too rich by, by getting us to hate our neighbors and that's not right so arthur let's have let's have the conversation um i'm somebody in college and i say capitalism is evil and you know there's nothing wrong with socialism socialism is great it works in the netherlands yeah, I know. So I hear it. I hear it all the time. So I'm on college campuses all the time. The way not to take that on is by trying to create liberal tears. That's the wrong way to do it. Is to attack somebody's motive and to say that their belief system is stupid. That will you can never ever ever insult somebody into agreement. And by the way, it's an immoral thing to do because these are your brothers and sisters as well. The key thing to start off with in any argument is to acknowledge the objective, the moral objective of the people. Is to is to give voice to the fact that you. You want these socialist systems because you want something where, where, where people have more equality, where have people have more opportunity, right? And get people to say, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, well, let's figure out the best possible way to do it and then make the positive case for capitalism and democracy and free enterprise and entrepreneurship because it's lifted more people out of poverty than any system in human history. It's created a system of, of equal opportunity that nobody's ever thought of in the history of humanity and say – And now the problem is not that this is unequal, but we haven't actually tried to make it as equal as possible and push it all the way out to the periphery of society. Let's do that together. Can you give the argument, because most, I think even most conservatives um, fold on the, the Netherlands or Sweden when people say, I want socialism like Sweden. Can you describe what that is? Yeah, so I just, this movie, The Pursuit, that, that, that you mentioned in the last segment, is coming out in the spring. And part of it is actually filmed in Denmark. Denmark is considered to be the happiest country in the world. It's a, it's a social democracy. It has the highest tax rates in the world. About 75% of your income goes to the government. And so I went there. I went to Denmark, and I hung out with some families there. And the truth is, if you're into that, 
you know, more power to you. But I don't see very many people who are actually trying to move to Denmark. I do see lots of people in Denmark that are trying to move to America. Why? Because it's the antithesis culturally of what it means to be an American. That, that all, you know, Danish society, Scandinavian society, is built on the idea, don't stand out. Don't be different. Don't think that you're something special. Don't try to... If you, so if you're... This country, America, is built by oddballs like you know, like Glenn Beck and Arthur Brooks, weird dudes who have actually tried to do different things. And in Denmark, if you, you know, if you you want to get rich or you want to start a company or you're really super religious like you and me, or or you want to have eight kids, forget about it. They're going to look at you like you're a freak, and that's a big problem. So if you want to, socialism is not just a social deal. Socialism is actually a cultural deal. And so, and and, and basically where everybody has the same amount of money, everybody has to be alike as well. So if you like being a weirdo, if you like being an oddball, if you like being yourself, you better stay in America and you better make the American system better. Don't try to get the Danish system. And that is one reason why it has been successful, one reason why it is now falling apart, and one reason why it would not work here is there was no diversity. There was no diversity. Now that they have opened up the borders, there's diversity and people don't want to live their life that way. And it's falling apart. Am I wrong? People are different. People are different. It's like it's a country of it's a boutique society of 5.3 million people. The the Danes, they basically they're like hobbits. You know, they kind of live in the Shire. And then when there's a whole bunch of of immigration, look, for in America, you know, despite the fact that we have these, you know, controversies about the wall and about the immigration system, and that a lot of people listening to us today disagree on this, fundamentally, we all come from immigrants, and we all like immigrants. We like hardworking people who come from different places and integrate into our society. Most of, most Europeans, they, they can't handle it. They don't know how to do it. They don't think of themselves as fundamentally from some other place. Look, a thousand years ago, the Danish ancestors of current Danes were Vikings living in Denmark. A thousand years ago i had the slightest idea where my family was but i god knows they weren't in seattle um arthur um one last thought um yesterday the hearings uh, were uh, people came into it and they saw what they wanted to see one way or another i don't think it changed anybody's mind um it was all about politics and the politics of destruction i think um but we, you know, when, when Lindsey Graham spoke yesterday, it kind of felt good to a lot of people in this audience. Yeah. And I thought it was righteous indignation myself. I think there are yeah. a lot of people that feel this way. Knock it off. This is shameful what is happening. Um, but there is a difference between righteous indignation and, and playing the game the way others are playing it. Um, they're, they're playing for destruction if we reach out and play for destruction as well, I think we lose and we we hasten our own destruction. People think that that is surrender. You what? You want me to surrender? You want me not to say anything? That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying fight the right way. People kind of have given up on being able to win uh, without playing dirty. Can you make a yeah. case that? That yeah. you shouldn't do that? 
Yeah, no, no, Glenn Beck speaks truth right now. Everybody's got to listen. This is the truth. You know, there is not a long-term reward that comes from being a bad person. Now, here's the key thing. Like here, most people listening to us today are conservatives like you and me, and they're watching the, the, the and they, have a, they have their own filter bubble. Look, we all hear things through our own experience and through our own biases. I got it. I got it. But standing up when, in, in righteous indignation, look, if you're a senator and you're in a hearing, fine. But for the rest of us, standing up to the left, standing up to the other side when they're wrong around the Thanksgiving table or on social media, it has a very limited impact. Why? Because we're not going to actually be taken seriously unless we hold our own side to the same moral standard. So if we really want to be effective on the right, what we need to do is we need to look at contempt and hatred and mockery and sarcasm and derision on the right and call it out and say, these are not, these arguments are not living up to my own moral standard. And we hold ourselves to a higher moral standard. We will not lose. I've got the data on this, Glenn. It is in, in, in the long run, the, the moral high road, which doesn't have to be weak. It doesn't have to give in to anybody else's argument, but to say through love and respect, I believe that you are not living up to your own objectives. And to say to our own side, we will not stand for hatred. That's not who we are. That's the secret to long-term success. I, I believe that we are entering a time, and yesterday I think only hastened it, where people see this and they don't want to be a part of either side. They don't want to be a part. They're good Democrats who do not stand with Antifa and are bothered by that. Um, but I don't think they have anywhere to go because uh, we have been painted as haters but also, um, we are we shout down people, not the way they do necessarily on the left, but it feels good to do that. Do That's you right. see any movement on the left that common sense Democrats are starting to say, wait a minute, I, I'm not in lockstep with this? I do. This is, this is not what gets all the publicity. Screaming louder is what gets all the publicity on the right and on the left. But when I look at the data, I see 70% of Americans hate it. They feel that they're being, and, on, and, and again, this is half right wing and half left wing, 70% of Americans believe that we're being held hostage and we're being terrorized by powerful people who are profiting from us hating each other and saying terrible things to each other. They don't like it. They, 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 they want to fight back. We have a, the, the, the opportunity to create a new moral movement where we can bring our brothers and sisters on the center left and even on the left together to try to solve some problems in this country and where we can say, I don't hate you. These kinds of these, what's going on in the Senate right now, what's going on with these hearings right now is a proxy battle. It's like an Angolan civil war where the Soviet Union and the United States are sending troops against each other in the 1980s to fight it out on somebody else's battleground. Americans have to say enough with these ideological, this ideological warfare between right and left and where we're being the ones in the middle where we're effectively being held hostage we want better than this in this country we, we don't have to back down from being conservatives at all we just have to recognize that we don't have to agree it's okay in this country to have actual disagreement that's the basis of our excellence you know your message has always been so good glenn because you don't hate anybody and we have to as leaders, we have an opportunity to help Americans to love their enemies and in so doing to find the basis of our strength. Arthur Brooks, thank you so much for being on the program. Uh, we have to have you on more often. You are uh, well-spoken, well-thought-out, full of uh, facts, and you're on the right path. 
Arthur Brooks. You can follow him at Arthur Brooks at ArthurBrooks.com slash podcast. You can listen to his podcast. I highly encourage it. Um, And he is also the president of the American Enterprise Institute. Our sponsor this half hour is Mercury Real Estate. Mercury Real Estate can uh, really kind of take care of the hassle of finding the right person to sell your home. Selling your home is, man, it just sucks. It sucks. And you never know the market. You never know what's going to happen. You know, people come in and, oh, jeez. Oh, you know what? I think we should change the rug. We should change the rug. I think that's what's... Change the rug? Really? Change the rug. That's what's going to get this thing sold. And I don't mean wall-to-wall carpet. I mean a rug. That's what it's going to take? When you're selling your home, you need somebody who knows the market, knows how to stage your home, knows how to make it look absolutely the best, get it taken care of, then get the information out to the people who are wanting to buy a home like yours in your area. And that takes an expert. We have 1,500 experts now all over the country, and they are waiting to serve you to either help you buy your next home or to sell your home or to do both. It's realestateagentsitrust.com. Go there now. They'll get your home sold fast, on time, for the most amount of money at realestateagentsitrust.com. I will tell you, um, one thing I was impressed with yesterday uh, was Donald Trump. Uh, Most Republicans, if not all I've seen in my lifetime since Ronald Reagan, fold immediately immediately somebody's mm-hmm. even bluffing at the table i've got this they fold they don't want to fight they're not willing to fight donald trump allowed this fight to happen yesterday and kavanaugh would have been completely discredited i think under any other president he would have just gone away discredited because they would have said you know what it's not worth it we don't believe those charges and he would have had no platform to defend himself mm-hmm Donald Trump, mm-hmm. the one thing to say about him, he is a fighter. He does not give up. And, uh, you know, sometimes that's good. Sometimes that's bad. Yesterday, it was very good. Because I can't think of any other president in my lifetime since Ronald Reagan that would have stood for this. And would have stood against it. Do you? No. I, no. I, the, he surprises me uh, on a pretty regular basis. And I guess I should be used to it by now, but... Um, you know that's why that's why people voted for him. Yep, for for this very reason, he's willing to he's willing to stand and make this fight because he believes in it. That's, and it's Great. not it's just nothing. I really didn't think he had it in him. Yeah, you know we've we've yeah. talked about it before. You've got to admit when you're wrong. And here's another case of me being wrong. And I, I will tell you, I think they're going to confirm him, mm. uh, and they confirm him. I think this guy is such a solid citizen, at least from what I know, that I don't think he would ever do this. But boy, oh boy, Democrats, I would hate to see your case come up against the Supreme <laughs> Court with him. And if you're Feinstein and you, you're, you're battling in the good luck to you. Yeah, he is a solid citizen and will be fair. But you deserve every sleepless night you get prior to that. Just wondering if he can be fair. Glenn Beck, Mercury.